Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Okay, so if you recall, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, guys, was written to a church that he planted and that a church he knew very, very well. Okay, so Paul's not just going off the top of his mind going, I'm going to write this letter. I think I should write it to. No, no, no. He 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 actually planted. He knew them very, very well. And and remember, just just as a mindset, guys, Corinthians was a major port city. Okay, and it boasted of all of these Greek and Roman gods. Right. So Paul strategically came here on a missionary journey. Guess what? He spends a whole year and a half there. And what does he do? He got to know the people pretty well. Okay? And he taught them about Jesus. Many, after hearing that, became followers of Jesus. And what happened is a brand new church sprouted. It was born. And although we learn, guys, in the letter to the, to, to the Corinthians in his first letter, we learned that the church had its share of problems. Amen? You know, it was, it was kind of a mess. But before we go on, let's go back and let's take a brief look at Paul's mission to Corinth, right? And the reason is that we can get a good understanding as he writes the letters moving forward. So hold your place here in 2 Corinthians. Go back to Acts chapter 18 because this is Paul. And uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Now, it was about a year and a half ago that we looked at Acts 18 as the foundation for this, but I thought it's always good to come back and and go through it, okay? So Acts chapter 18, picking up in verse 1, it says, Now, after these things, Paul departed from Athens, and he went to Corinth, okay? I love that they just give us, this is his journey. He's going to Corinth. It's just like you would say, and after a while, Ben left Lubbock and went to Amarillo. That's really the thought, okay? But he's going to Corinth for a reason, right? You go, well, where was Corinth in opposed to Athens? It was about 50 miles, guys, southwest. So we would say probably Plainview from here. Would, would you say about 48, 50 miles? Okay? So that's what it would be. In verse 2, it says, And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. And he came to them. So I love this. I love the fact that, um, I love the fact that all of a sudden he's meeting up with fellow Christians. <laughs> and it's Aquila and Priscilla. And so because they were of the same trade. Now everybody remember that, okay? So Paul is a workman. Paul is a, he's somebody who's, who they, they were all, and he, and he said that now he stayed with them, it says, and he worked. He says, for by occupation, they were tent makers. Now, the one thing I want you to see in Paul's heart really quick, guys, is that, is that he wasn't afraid to work. Okay? He wasn't like, listen, man, I'm a big televangelist and blah, 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 blah. Paul's like, listen, I, his, his main focus, and this is the heart that I want us to have. This is the heart I want us to have as a church, that we get the gospel out at whatever cost. And if that means we got to get and we got to work and we got to do it, that's Paul's heart. He says, listen, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to be somebody famous. Only Jesus is famous. I want to be the one, whatever it takes. You go, well, I, Ben, I'm not Paul. No, no, no. But see, as you guys work and as you go out to different areas, as you do your job, you guys are the Pauls to the world. You have that same heart. You, you're trying to reach them for the gospel. And what's very interesting is people will come to you and they'll ask you, hey, so how, wh- what do you think about COVID-19? What do you think about all of this? And they say, well, I mean, I think we're friends enough to tell you this is, I mean, I think it's a dress rehearsal for the Lord Jesus to come. Really? What, what, are, you t- what are you talking about? And you give an opportunity to share the gospel. That's what Paul would do. So Paul's tent making, guys, Paul's tent making. And what he would do in verse 4, it says, and he would reason in the synagogue every Sabbath. What did he do? He persuaded both Jews and Greeks. So he's coming in and he's teaching them the word of God. And when Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and he said to them, your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean for now. I will go to the Gentiles. So again, remember, Here's what you need to understand. When you are truly seeking and working 
and getting the gospel out, there will be opposition. I don't like it. I sit in my office from time to time with tears coming down because the opposition is so strong. But I know that we're doing something right. Every moment, guys, that we're broadcasting, every moment that we give an invitation after service, hey, listen, if you want to give your life to Jesus, open up your heart. Every moment is, is, a, is, a, is a strike against, against the enemy's kingdom. We, we know there's going to be opposition. You, you, under, you guys understand that? As believers, you are the hated enemy of the devil. You, he, he doesn't like you. But, but if God be for us, who could be against us? And so, again, this is what he's saying. This is what he's saying, okay? And he says, okay, so I'm going to go to the Gentiles. Look at verse 7, guys. And he departed from there and entered a house, a certain, name, a certain man named Justice, who worshipped God, who the house was next to the synagogue. Verse 8, then Crispus, Jewish, the ruler of synagogue, believed in the Lord with all his household, and many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. Here's the church, boom. Now, jump to verse 11. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. Guys, that's the heart of Calvary, to teach you the word of God. Now, let me just say this, okay? I think moving forward, our ministry has to be twofold. We have to reach those that are far from Jesus and bring them into the kingdom. Can I get an amen? We have to, via podcast, via um, the, the online, live, via whatever it might be here, that's got to be our ministry. But we also want to see Christians, like y'all, live victoriously, to have that peace of God. And so we have to teach you the word of God, because what happens is now you're a tender plant in the ground, and we have to water you and nurture you and give you enough sunshine so that you start to grow. Y'all are looking at me like I'm crazy. You guys know how a baby grows. He falls down. He gets hurt. He gets in messes. That's us. But eventually we grow and we're mature. And we go, okay. I used to think as a child, but now I don't think as a child. I want to. I want to. And so when something happens, when a pandemic happens, when you can see some different stuff, you go, oh, I want to keep my eyes on Jesus. It's so funny. I was talking to a sister in the church the other day. I was talking to her on FaceTime. And she kept reminding me of everything that I taught. And I was like, stop listening. Don't quote it back to me, you know. And she goes, she said, is your, is your neck hurt? And I said, what do you mean? Because you always tell us, look up, that your neck should be. And I was like, ah, oh. amen. It's one thing for me to preach to you, but when you preach back to me, I'm like, okay. Practice what you preach, dude. I said, you stop talking. Anyway, so I have this fight in between me. But nonetheless, Paul stays there. What does he do, guys? He teaches them the Bible. He teaches them the Bible, okay? We hadn't done this a long time. Turn to your neighbor and say, he teaches them the Bible. Okay? What does he teach them? The Bible. You guys are good. I love doing that. That's because I love having people here. That's amazing. That's amazing. You at home, look to your coffee cup. Just kidding. Um, But say uh, he's teaching them the Bible. So Paul spent some time in Corinth, okay? And then after a year and a half, he left Corinth, Joe, he left Corinth, okay, and he went and planted other, other churches in other cities. The problem is, check this out, he keeps getting reports, right, that things were not going well back at the church in Corinth. Now, in our day and age, what would we do? You'd get a telephone call, you might get a text, an email, hey, things are not going well, Paul, you better, this is what's happening. I don't know how that happened back in the day, probably somebody wrote a letter. No, as a matter of fact, I know they wrote a letter, I'll show you in just a moment. But the problem with the church right now is that it was plagued with all kinds of problems. So that's why Paul, guys, wrote the first letter. The church was a mess. Amen? Can we relate? Can we relate to a church that's a mess? Absolutely. Why? Let's just be honest, okay? Let's just set this, let's set the record straight. We are wonderfully loved bunch of misfits, bunch of mess, messy people. I get it. I get it. And that's what God loves. God loves messy people. And I don't think, and I don't want anybody to ever come into this church, guys, and think we have it together. Wow, well, that, I don't want to go there because we don't have it together. As a matter of fact, we're, we're a mess too. And I love that Paul writes to us, okay? So Paul writes to them, and this church started out like many other churches. 
Um, Paul spent time. He preached. He loved on them. People opened their heart. They heard the gospel. They got to know Jesus. And then Paul gets a letter. A letter. Yeah, he gets a letter asking for help with this messy church. As a matter of fact, just listen to this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11, Paul writes, For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. So Paul says, listen, I got the letter. And he said, we, I got a letter from Chloe's household. Don't know who wrote it. I don't know if Chloe wrote it, but we don't know who Chloe is. But nonetheless, I got a letter, and, and, it, and it said that there were some problems. There are some problems. That's why I wrote 1 Corinthians. Now, you got to take notes on this, okay? you got to take notes because this is what Paul does in 1 Corinthians, but he also does it in 2 Corinthians. You go, what's that? The first thing you'll see Paul do as you go through the text verse by verse every Sunday, guys, is he describes and defines the problem. He'll lay it out there. Okay, here's the problem. And then the second thing he does is he always responds to the problem with the gospel. He always responds to the problem with the gospel. And I think, what a great habit to do. Whenever there's a problem in our life, somebody says, hey, man, I got a problem. I mean, my, my first reaction is to give them my opinion. Well, I've lived a little while. I've walked around the block a time or two. I, but, but what Paul says, he says, listen, I, I want to give you what the word, word of God says. I want to give you what. Listen, he, I, and, and, and you'll hear me say from now, this is my opinion. This is my opinion. But the answer to your problem is in the word of God. And this is what he's saying, guys. This is what he does. Now, what does Paul say? And here's what he does. He lovingly, everybody say lovingly. Why is that important? Because he lovingly shows them that they are not living what they claim to believe. This is what he does. Let me, uh, for a moment, just jog your memory, okay? The first problem that Paul addresses was that of division, division. Um, looking back for just a moment, if you recall, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 through 4, um, Paul discovered that there were divisions in the church, okay? You go, well, what was happening? Um, there were some teachers who had come through Corinth, Paul being one of them, okay, Apollos being another one, Peter was another one, and of course there were people going, well, we don't even like y'all, we don't, we're Jesus, man. Y'all are, y'all are junior varsity compared to Jesus, okay? And, and they were causing division. Now you go, okay, so what was happening? Well, many of the people began to pick their favorite teachers. They began to pick, and there was nothing wrong with having your favorite teacher. The problem was is they began to talk bad about the leaders, and they began to influence other people against that leader, in, and we won't get there today, but in 2 Corinthians, there's a group of people who, who minimized all Paul. Did you, do you really want to be, sister, do you want to be under Paul's authority? He's, he's, a, little, he's a little short. He doesn't even, like even look like an apostle. And, he, and, and he's poor. And, and so they started, and so Paul is, and, and so, no, we, we, we like this guy. This guy rolls up, man, and he, he's got it going on. So he knows this is the guy we need. And so there's division, and he started swaying people. Paul's response, guys, he says, guys, listen, the, communi- the church, listen to me, is a community of people centered around Jesus, not men. This is really what our hearts should be, guys, today. Our heart, the church, Calvary Chapel, All the churches in Lubbock, all the churches in the state, all of us should be men that are men and women that are are centered around Jesus. We don't lift up men. We don't lift up men. Men will fall. Men will stumble. We're all simply servants of Jesus. People ask you, "What are you doing?" Man, I'm a servant of Jesus. Yeah, but you're a mess up. I know. You know what? You know what I say? Thank God Jesus loves mess ups, man. He loves mess ups. Let us not divide over servants in the church. Let us not divide over ministries. Guys, stay focused on Jesus. What does Jesus have for you? And go do it. We're not to divide. We're not to divide. You know what the Bible says? God hates division. He hates it. 
I don't want to be a part of anything God hates. And so, so it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Everything is filtered for Jesus. Now, the reason I bring this up is, again, we find that he's going to have to address that here in 2 Corinthians. He's going to have to address that. Why? Many people rejected Paul as an apostle. Oh, he's not an apostle. He's not an apostle. He's probably a B-apostle, but he's not an apostle. You know what I'm saying? He's not on the A-team. And many of them did that, guys. Many of them did that. And it created division in the church. So what does Paul do? I love this, guys. He finishes this amazing letter with love, right? And he tells them, man, I plan to visit you guys soon, right? This is 1 Corinthians. He says, but first I'm going to go to Ephesus for a while. I'm going to kind of hang out in Ephesus for a while. And then he writes this. The salutation, verse 21 of the very last chapter, 16, the salutation with my own hand, Paul's. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed, O come, Lord. Let me say that again, okay, because I want a big amen after that. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus, amen, right, because that's what we're called to do. The disciples asked him one day, what, what should we do to do the works of God? You know what the works of God are? To love the Lord Jesus, to believe in him. If you guys want to work for God, here's your first assignment. Love the Lord Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's it. If you want your marriage to work, love the Lord Jesus with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. If you want your job, you want to do well in your job, love the Lord Jesus with all your mind, your heart, your soul, and your strength. This is what he's saying. This is what he's saying. And he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you in all Christ Jesus. Amen. So first of all, let me paint this picture. Paul loved the people. He loved the people. These are people that hurt him. These are people that backstabbed him. These are people that talked behind his back. These are people that left him for dead. These are all these people, right? But Paul, here's, what, here's my heart, guys, and I hope it gets in your heart. The gospel of Jesus Christ transformed Paul so much that even though that hurt and even though there was tears and even though he was broken and even though he probably felt like quitting a bunch of times, the gospel had transformed him so much that he still loved the people. He saw something more than we see. He saw eternity and he saw people living in eternity and he saw people living in eternity without Jesus. And what Paul had come to conclude was that no amount of hurt in this world could compare to eternity without Jesus. You understand? I want that in me. I want that in me. I want to be the guy that says, listen, listen, I understand how people are, but listen, there's so many people that that are so living apart from Jesus, and there's so many people that are, listen, dying today. They're dying of cancer. They're in car wrecks. They've got, other, they've got other issues. They're dying today. They're not even dying from, from this virus that we are living through. They're dying without Jesus. Guys, we have a short window of opportunity to reach them for Jesus. You know what the enemy wants to do? He wants to distract you from fulfilling your purpose and your calling. He wants to get you tripped up. He wants to get you focused on all of this other stuff. Listen, I'm preaching to myself. Y'all can listen if you want to. But he's trying to distract me from what I'm really called to do. Because I get up every morning and I feel like it's Groundhog Day. I feel like it's the same thing. Man, is the world going to be different? Guys, it's a sad deal when we, when we long for, for 2019. Boy, I really wish things were like the good old days back in December. We could go to a restaurant and use real utensils. That's sad. He's trying to distract us. He's trying to distract us. Let's put on the Holy Spirit of God and say, okay, God, what do you want us to do? What do you want us to do? And here's what God does. I'm I'm getting off. I'm telling you what. I'm getting off because it's not even in my notes, but here's what he does. He says, you guys ready? Pastor Sof, I'm going to send you over to your job over there, and then you're going to witness over there. You're going to be a good example. Yes, sir. Paul, guess what? I've got you another job, but that's not at the same job as Sof. I'm going to tell you, you guys see the same? Oh, Mr. Early, you're going to go over here, and, and he's doing all this. And he sends us out, guys, to where the unbelievers are. 
so that we could be a light. But here's the reason, so that we could win people to, that's the most important part. They've got to know Jesus first because there are people who can do a lot of ministry and not know Jesus. We see that in the book of Ephesians, don't we? I mean, in, in Revelation, that the church of Ephesus was a prime example. Guys, they, they did everything. They were podcasting amazingly, man. They were online. They were doing all kinds of ministry, but they forgot Jesus. And Jesus said, man, repent. Remember? Repent. Go back and do those first works. And maybe this is for somebody watching today. Maybe this is for somebody here. You need to get on your knees and you go, God, listen, I just want to do what you want me to do, which is reach people for Jesus. I just need to tell them. I need to sit down with a cup of coffee and say, listen, our world is a mess. Are you right with Jesus? I want to show you in Scripture what here. I'm not trying to preach to you, man. I'm just trying to lovingly bring you into the kingdom. So Paul leaves this letter, guys, and he's hoping that, that all was addressed and he was rectified. And Paul says, okay, amen, I love you guys. Here's your letter. He dealt with them. Here's the problem. If you're taking note, it appears that many in the church actually rejected Paul's teaching in this letter. And they rebelled against it. They read the letter and they said, I don't think so. No, no, no. Who does Paul think he is? Ah, no, he's not even an apostle. They did that. That scares me. Because I pray that the church of Jesus Christ has the Holy Spirit living inside them and they would honor the word of God above all else. They would honor the word of God. So what does Paul do? Paul hears of this and he's like, oh man, I need to go visit them. I need to go visit them. They didn't, they didn't get my letter. Hey, Alex, they didn't, they didn't get my letter. I got to go visit them, bro. I got to go. So he makes a hurried visit and you go, why? Everybody say why. Because he found, he found out that the problems he addressed had not been resolved. Okay? And he found out that many were rejecting Paul's authority and were actually rebelling against him. How do you know? Guys, look at first, look at second Corinthians chapter two, verse one. Okay? You should be back over there real quick. Notice what he says in second Corinthians two, one. Paul writes, but I determined within myself that I would not come again to you in sorrow. Everybody see that? Why? What's he saying? Here's what he says. He says, I decided that I would not bring to you grief with another painful visit, okay? So guess what happened? He goes over there, and it was a, it was a very painful visit. Now stay with me, okay? So I'm trying to paint the picture. I'm trying to lay the foundation. Paul leaves this letter. He goes, everybody good? Everybody good? Everybody's thumbs up. But there were people who were no thumbs up. There were people who were thumbs down. He hears some stuff. He's like, so he makes, a, he makes a visit. It didn't go as he thought. It was a really painful visit. And after this painful visit, Paul sends them another letter. Everybody say another letter. Okay, and I want to show you why. He makes reference to it. Look at, uh, go back to chapter 1, 3, and 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Paul writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Okay, so he starts off just a little bit. Now, let me give you a quick turn, okay? He's saying, he's writing them and he's saying, listen, I love you and I want to comfort you. Um, but let me, let me show you. Go jump over to chapter 7. Chapter 7, verse 8. Okay, remember, this is, which letter is this, guys? This is his third letter. We don't have the second letter, but he's making reference to the second letter. Look at verse 8. He says, for even if I made you sorry with my letter... He says, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. Why, Paul? For I perceive that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a while. Now, I rejoice, well, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. Why, Paul? For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. For observe this very thing that you sorrowed in a godly manner, what diligent it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, 
what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication. In all things you proved yourself to be clear in this manner. Therefore, although I wrote to you, I did not do it for the sake of him who had done the wrong, nor for the sake of him who suffered wrong, but that our care for you might be in the sight of God, might appear to you. Now, Paul, guys, he's referencing the letter. He's referencing the painful visit. And so he hurries and he makes a surprise visit. The visit doesn't go as planned. So he personally had to dress. Now, listen what he does. Listen. Here is the Apostle Paul. He actually calls out rebellious people in the church. He actually calls out that are creating division. And he writes to them a very painful letter, which he refers to in chapter 2, verse 4. What does he say? He says, I wrote that letter, listen, in great anguish, with a troubled heart and many tears. I did not want to grieve you, but I wanted to let you know how, how much love I have for you. Paul has the heart of Jesus. I want the heart of Jesus. Because listen what he does. He says, man, I had to write this letter. I had to, I had to call you out. Okay, okay, now, now listen. There's not a lot of us who like confrontation. We'll avoid it at all costs. We just don't like confrontation. If you like confrontation, I need to get to know you. Because I... But Paul said lovingly, because eternity, because of of where you are with God, and I had to write this letter, and it was really painful. And I didn't take it lightly. And when I wrote it, guys, you can imagine him weeping and sobbing and his heart breaking. (laughs) You know, I mean, because he had to call out somebody he loved because they 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 were not in a right relationship. And he doesn't know which way this is going to go. They could turn that around and they could, they could, they could cause more division or they could hear the, the Holy Spirit and repent and be, and be broken and be like, oh, Paul, I'm sorry. But nonetheless, guys, do you see the heart of Paul? Do you see the heart of Paul? I wrote that letter in great anguish. I know what you're thinking. Ben, where's the letter? I don't, we, we lost that letter. We don't have that letter. Okay, Titus was supposed to, he delivered the letter to them, so they got the letter, but we don't have it. Now, uh, I'm looking at Tiffany over here, and Tiffany, Tiffany and Nathalie and Adam, we were at in Israel, right? Do you remember the Dead Sea Scrolls? Do you remember when they found all that, Isaiah? I was thinking, wouldn't it be cool if somebody found that letter? I don't know, because it's a painful letter. So I don't know. I mean, do we want to read it? Well, here, let me just do this, okay? Let me do this. Um... Titus delivered the letter. So after this letter, listen to me, most but not all of the Corinthians realized their arrogance and they apologized to Paul. Paul, we're so so sorry. You're right. We're so wrong. We were not following Jesus. We were not living what we believed. We were allowing the world to influence our walks. We were allowing the world. There was too much worldliness in us, and we called ourselves Christians. Paul, we're so sorry. Can I get an amen on that? Because I believe, Christians, guys, we need to be broken before the Lord. We need to be humble. And when that pride comes up, we need to go, "Mm mm-mm. I need to be a servant of God. and, 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 And being a servant of God is having a heart of God. What does that mean in reality? In reality, married folks, married folks, that's when we say, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I didn't mean to yell at you. I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. Please forgive me for my attitude. Guys, do we have attitudes sometimes? Men, we have attitudes? Did you just point to your wife? Wow. You're staying after school. (laughs) Just kidding. We want to have the heart of Paul. Guys, they, they were heartbroken. And what they wanted to do is they wanted to reconcile back to, to Paul. They wanted to reconcile. Everybody say reconcile. Isn't that the goal? Reconcile back to each other. What does that mean? I was sitting in my recliner this morning, and I was thinking about that. And you know what that means? That means we need to have hearts that forgive even when it hurts. 
people that did you wrong, people that backstabbed you. Lord, I want to have a heart because really in reality, in, in eternity, think about this, in eternity, I don't think we're going to go up to heaven and be like, hey, you remember me? You're talking trash about me. I never, we're not going to do that, guys. Everything is going to be what? Everything's going to be super real. We're going to know all things. And really what we should do is focus on our own heart. Don't you agree? Because first we should remove the what? The plank from our own eye before we're able to see the speck in our brother's eye. That's why, that's just doing a heart check. Uh, Pastor Sof uses this. He uses this. He says, make sure you do a spiritual inventory. Guys, go through. How's my walk? Where am I? Am I where's my scripture reading? How am I walking? What's my attitude? Okay. Okay. Now, the purpose of this letter, guys, is threefold. You guys ready? Number one, uh, to express joy that the church heard the Holy Spirit repented and sought reconciliation. Woohoo! That's the purpose. He writes and he goes, man, I'm so, I'm so blessed. I'm so joyful. I'm so joyful. I'm sorry, I got to hang out with Paul a little bit because there are so many times that, that when you are right, you ever, okay, so let me say this. Have you ever been in a fight and you're right? And your spouse realizes you're right and they repent, but you're not joyful over the repentance. You're still angry because you were right. Oh, I'm so sorry. You're darn right. I was, you're darn right. I was right. I told you I was right. Instead of going, oh, okay, we're good. Paul says, listen, there's joy because he saw people who really repented. Uh, joy. And then, and another part is he reminds the, the believers of the communion, or the, I'm sorry, their commitment to the offering for the Christians. He's going to talk about money a little bit. And then, now listen to this, ready? He writes this letter, okay? Uh, the purpose is to defend his apostolic purpose, okay? His authority. Now, let me give you a side note, my opinion, okay? My opinion. There is a very popular theory that chapters 10 through 13, okay, the last three chapters, were actually part of the lost sorrowful letter. Huh. I thought, wow. Now, when we get there, guys, when we get there, we'll bring this up and see if we detect kind of the painful discourse, okay? So, if you're looking at the structure of 2 Corinthians, he's going to talk to them about reconciliation, and he's going to remind them of their commitment to help the poor Christians in Judea. And then chapters 13, he's going to, he's going to, it's almost like they added that, which would be weird. But this is how we have it, so uh, it's so cool. Okay, so we're going to move pretty quickly here, guys. If you're taking note, let's unpack this. Ready? I want, to, I want to lay the foundation. Chapters 1 through 7, 1 through 7, Paul writes to reconcile to this church. What Paul does is he reminds them that he loves them and that he forgives them. That's the whole thing. He's going to take seven chapters to go. He's going to say, man, I love you. I forgive you. Let's move forward. Now, because we're studying it, guys, we can see the heart of Paul in his opening prayer. Paul is reflecting the love of Jesus. Now, here's what I want you to see. Paul is reflecting the love of Jesus. Here's what I want you to see. Paul is reflecting the love of Jesus. Why? Because Paul's not mad at them. He's madly in love with them. And that's what the gospel should do to us. The gospel should change us so much to where we're not mad at people. We're madly in love with them. And we know that they, they make mistakes. Listen, we know that babies, help me, church, we know that babies poop their diapers. We know that, right? We don't get mad at babies for pooping their diapers. They don't know better. We go, oh, look at the little... I mean, when they first come out, oh, look at the little poopy. Oh, that's so cute, right? We don't get mad at them, do we? Oh. They, sometimes we gag because it was like, well, what did you eat? But nonetheless, and sometimes Christians poop their diapers. We make a mistake. We mess up. And Paul says, man, I'm not mad at you. I'm, I'm in love. I love you guys. I love you guys. And then part of his prayer, listen, blessed be the God. Listen, I love this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our tribulation. That's a good place for an amen. 
that we're able to comfort those who are in trouble with all the comfort which, with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Now, I like the way, listen to the way it reads, okay? Listen, I like the way it reads this. He says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father, who is the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our trouble so that we can comfort others when they're troubled. We're able to give them the same comfort that God is. I love this. Why? Because part of his prayer is great application for us. This great take home. Why? What's the takeaway? Listen to me. The things that you have gone through, the things that you are going through right now are going to be used as comfort for those who are going to go through them later. The suffering that you've, you've exposed, the suffering that you've gone through is so that you can help others that are coming along. As a matter of fact, jot this down. This is a great verse to memorize. Jot this down. It's Psalm 84, Psalm 84, verses 5 through 7. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says this, What joy for those whose strengths come from the Lord, who have set their mind on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Here it is. You ready? For they walk through the valley of weeping. It will be a place of refreshing springs. The autumn rains will clothe it with blessings. They will continue to grow stronger. Each of them will appear before the God in Jerusalem. What's it saying? Everything that you've gone through, all the heartaches, all the tribulations, all the valley of weeping, it's so that God can use that so that you comfort others that are coming behind you. So you're over here, and you're, and you're crawling through, and you're digging, and you're crying, God, I don't know if I'm going to make this through. Okay, you're actually digging a well so that the other person that comes by and goes, I'm going through the same thing. But wait, it's refreshing to me. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? In other words, you know what? My wife having cancer has become a big advocate of those who are coming behind her with cancer. And she can minister in ways that I can't. She can go, I know. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And that's the same thing. See, every one of us have had different experiences. Every one of us had different trials. Every one of us had different, the value. Like, like for instance, listen, my mom died when I was 18 months. My sister died when I was 13, all of cancer. My niece died of, I mean, it's just, it, it's, but I want to use that so when people come and go, you don't understand. How so? Listen, listen. Natalie met a friend who had breast cancer because she, she kind of knows, and she did everything. She did the chemo, she did everything, and last year she went home to be with Jesus. But one of her biggest fears was, what about my kids? Because she has little kids. And where I could be a comfort was saying, listen, this happened to me, and I was Okay. God still, God was my, God was my everything. And although you don't want to leave your babies because of this awful cancer, it could be okay. So the stuff that you've gone through is God wants to use that as a champion for those that are coming behind. But we'll never know that if we're selfish and we're, and we're not and we're not in tune with his spirit. Because God's going to put you with the right person, and they're going to ask you, so, oh, well, let me tell you. I'm not proud of this part of my life, but you know what, God, I've seen him do major things. And they'll go, that was refreshing. Wow, thank you. And it strengthens you. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. I'm, I'm really preaching today, guys. My apologies, but man, this is just so good that God is just bringing these things out. They're, they're bringing these out. Now, let me get back to the text, okay? As part of the foundation, many of the people in Corinth, guys, they, they had a distorted value system. You go, how so? Well, we discover, guys, that some re- disregarded Paul's letter. For example, they thought, man, you know what? How can he be an apostle? He's poor. He earned a meager living through manual labor, right? He was under constant persecution and suffering, not to mention oftentimes homeless, Who's going to follow the Apostle Paul? 
they were looking at him with what? They were looking at him with earthly eyes. They were looking at him with worldly eyes. So when the church was exposed, look at that air quotes, exposed to more wealthy, impressive Christian leaders, they started to think less of Paul and they were actually ashamed of him. Sister, when did you get saved? Well, maybe it was under Paul, but you'd be like, well, you know, it was back a a while. You know, I don't know who it was. And, And so... And so what Paul has to deal with, that's what we're going to talk about through all of chapters 1 through 7. Now, let me give you one more key issue, okay, that Paul deals with, and then we'll quickly wrap up. Another key issue is that Paul responds to the idea of glory and success in the church. The people were trying to post people up on pedestals. The bigger the podcast, the bigger the television viewing, the bigger the, the congregation, woo. Look at them. They're, they, they're going to get a high seat in heaven. Paul's like, no, wait a minute. Let me do, let me do this. He says, um, he's, he says, let me use the paradox of the cross. Okay? And what he does is he reminds the church that the cross reveals God's salvation. Can I get an amen? And he says, Jesus died for you. Do you guys get that? Are, are you watching? Okay, Jesus, Jesus died for you. And then he says, the cross reveals not only that, but God's character. Okay? God's character is his self-giving love. And then listen, this is, this is what really wants to take home, what I want us to take home. The cross reveals a new cruciform way of life. In other words, we're not living the same, okay? The cross, the gospel changes us. It changes our mindset. It changes our heart. And he says, this, you need to be living. And he uses the cross as a paradox. Oh, Guys, listen, it's not about like, okay, you come to my church, are you saved or not? Paul's like, listen, the, the gospel should be changing us because you know what's going to be, you know what's going to make a greater impact in Lubbock? How you live every day. That's what's going to make a greater impact. When you're nice to your waitresses and your waiters, I've been guilty of not sometimes. Okay, don't judge me, I know. But when you are, and the and the Holy Spirit is in you. Wow, what an impact we can make in our city. What an impact we can make. I think, I think it was Bethany. Bethany told me, uh, maybe it was not Bethany, I'm not sure. Bethany said there's people that are still scared. There's people that are still frightful. There are people that are still fearful today. There's people still out there going, mm, I get it, guys, I get it. Let's be the one to come and just be like, let me show you how I can live. What does that mean? Paul said, I became all things to all people that I may win them for Christ. Okay? So that's what we got to do. We got to go, okay, we don't just, let's be careful not to pick a side. Well, I'm of the side that I don't know about this disease. And then then we come over here and they're like, oh, I don't know. It's going to kill everybody. Let's go look. Listen, here's what you need. You just need daddy to wrap your arms around you and love you. We're not daddy, but we we point him to daddy, right? You know what I mean? What does that mean? It means we don't judge if they're fearful. We don't judge if they're staying home. We don't go, oh, come on, it's okay, everybody's here, look. We go, man, we love you. We love you, we miss you. We can't wait to see you. And if there's anything you need, please, if there's food that you need, we are getting to a place, guys, in May, we're getting to a place now in May where it's like, okay, we can see some a little bit of a, I guess normalcy, is that what you would call it, a little bit? I mean, but I'm thinking this is where we need to step up as a church. And you go, how? Like guys with food baskets. Maybe there's still people out there who need food. And now that the grocery stores are, are stocked a little bit, man, we get some beans, we get some rice, we get some canned goods, we get some toilet paper, we get... All of this stuff, we put it in a box, and we just let people know, hey, listen, we, you, you can come and get it. I, I don't know. Is that what we need to do? Because, because we just don't let up. We don't let up. So in chapters 8 and 9, I've already told you, he's going to talk about money and giving. Okay, Who is he giving to? Guys, remember the poor people. The poor people there in Jerusalem. And then in chapters 10 and 13, Paul's final challenge is he's going to deal with the people who question his authority. As a matter of fact, he deals with the main source of the conflict. Guess what he calls them, guys? 
super apostles. That's what he calls them. As a matter of fact, chapter 2, jot this down, verse uh, uh, 5 of chapter 11. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians eleven five. 5, Paul says, But I don't consider myself inferior in any way to these super apostles who teach such things. So Paul's going to deal with them. He calls them super apostles. Now, without getting into details, listen, Paul's going to take them on, but with a heart of love. He's going to call them out. He says, listen, do you want to compare resume to resume? Let's go. And that's what he's going to do as we go through this. Now, let's close, guys. I'm just going to recap real quick, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus. By way of recap, an overview of 2 Corinthians, we're tackling it next week. Paul writes to reconcile the church. He loves them very much, and he says, yes, yes, yes. I love you. I forgive you. Let's get back to going. Let's go back to, 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 to locking arms and following Jesus. Can I get an amen? Okay, number two, Paul is going to address giving and money and the forgotten generosity. Don't forget this. We looked at it a little bit. And then he's going to challenge those who are causing division, these quote-unquote super apostles. It kind of seems, guys, and here's some homework for you. Read chapters 10 through 13 and just kind of see, it kind of looks like it could be that part of the lost letter because of why? Because of its position in in the writing. It's the very last few chapters. Like it doesn't fit. Do you know what I mean? So that's your homework this week. Just read them. Go, Ben, you know what? You're right. I, I saw some of that. I, I saw some of that. That's what we're going to tackle moving forward. Great, 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 great stuff from the Word of God. But hey, listen, maybe you're here and you're watching online and I never want to leave an opportunity, guys, for us not to uh, invite Jesus into our hearts. Can I just tell you the good news? Jesus Christ died for you. He died a painful death so that he can reconcile you back to him. He's opened up his heart and he's not mad at you. He loves you very much and he's telling you to come home. And throughout the teaching, you might have been just listening to some stuff. The Holy Spirit might have been moving in your heart. And you go, you know what, Pastor, I've I got to be honest with you. I'm not right with Jesus right now. I'm not right. I don't, I don't know if I died today, I would go to heaven. I don't know. But I want to know. I want to make it right with him. I, I, I don't know what to do. Well, listen, you may feel like that, but you're one decision from coming back to him. That's what it's all about. See, the power of the cross, the gospel says you're one decision from coming to Jesus. Just one. And so now your heart is beating and you're going, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? All you need to do is open up your heart. You need to believe. You need to confess. You need to repent. And you need to follow him. That's all you got to do. Well, like how, pastor? All you have to do, listen, is go, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I'm so sorry. I believe you are the son of God who died for me. And I invite you, God. I confess you. And I believe with all of my heart that you are God and that you're my Savior. And I choose to follow you, God. I'm gonna, I make a decision today to follow you forever. I give my life to you in Jesus' name. And if you pray that prayer, guess what? By the authority of the word of God, God's going to come in and he's going to save you. I want to give you an opportunity today. We're going to close our eyes and I'm going to do just a minute. And you might say, maybe I'm not right with God. Maybe you're, you're backslidden from God a little bit. And God's knocking on your heart. He's knocking on your heart. He said, today's the day. He loves you very, very much. There's a God in the universe that loves you, and he's been walking with you, and he's reconciling back to you. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you, God, today for your word and the truth in your word. We thank you, Lord, that you're in control of all things, Lord. And so, Lord God, um, we love you. I thank you for all those that are here today. I pray you bless each and every one of them, God. I pray your Holy Spirit fill them. They have just an amazing week, God. I pray for all those that are online right now. And I pray and I make sure that their, their, their calling is true. And their salvation is real. And with every eye closed and every head bowed, is there anyone here or watching online that would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm not sure if I'm right with God, but I want to be. I really want to be. I want to follow him. 
I want to repent. I don't want to cause division. I want to follow Jesus. If that's you and God is knocking on your heart, would you just simply lift your hand here today and say, I I want Jesus. Amen, sister. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you back. Got you back there. Amen. Anyone else that say, I, I'm, I'm ready to just, just surrender completely to Jesus today. I pray for those that raise their hand. I know God. Fill them with your spirit, God. Use them in a mighty way. And if you're watching online and we want to know about it, drop us, a, drop us just a quick email if you want to at calvarylubbock at hotmail.com or just click on one of the comments and say, I gave my life to the Lord. We want to know about you. We love you. We love you. We love you. I want to remind you, Wednesday night, we're online, so click online. Um, and then next week, guys, we start in chapter one. So it looks like we're moving forward. Um, here's, what, here's what we do, okay? Under the CDC guidelines, I'd love to, to, we'd love to fellowship. We can't right now. Um, so what happens is the doors open up, and you gotta kind of have to. You can fellowship outside, I guess, under open air. I don't know. That's what they said. But uh, we love you. We love you. Right after the song, the doors are gonna open. I love you. God bless you guys. I will see you next week. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.